0: Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Truth Justice on the Podcast. Today, I'm very, very honored to have another guest on with me. Somebody that um, is a filmmaker, an NYU Tisch student, um, who's, according to the baby film Instagram, his favorite film is Chunking Express, and whose favorite directors include Alejandro Gonzalez and Yuritu, Wong Kar-Wai, and Terrence Malik. I have with me Cole Swanson uh hello How mr swanson so tell hello, hello. tell the audience a little bit about yourself who you are what you do things you yeah. should know
1: yeah well thank you for the introduction uh, my of course. name is cole swanson um, i'm a 19 year old artist filmmaker model and um creative director and founder of the art culture and fashion publication called black swan magazine um I'm a student at NYU Tisch, uh, but my hometown is Los Angeles, California, where I'm calling from right now and uh, I'm really excited to be here.
0: Awesome, awesome. So, yeah, I noticed this black swan thing. I was start I was think I was looking at some of the stuff that you're posting um about it. Yeah. So, explain to us how that got started cuz I'm I'm very interested in um people who do that sort of thing, like publication. I've always found that uh, very interesting.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, first of all, it, it started my senior year in high school, Okay. Um, towards the second semester. So at this point, I'm already in college. I'm kind of bored, you know, I'm not really like, you know, school is kind of irrelevant at this point. So um, I decided to uh, submit a proposal to my school, because um, they have these things called senior projects and I wanted to create at the time really it was Exclusively fashion. I just wanted to create some kind of a lookbook, and just photograph a bunch of my friends in their own clothing hmm. um, To kind of make a statement and so I proposed the idea and my high school polytechnic school in Pasadena, California They were totally on board and they said listen, we want you to make this we will cover 70% of the costs and all you have to do is pay thirty percent of the cost. So it was a seventy thirty deal, and I was like, "All right, bet. so after that, it was it was pretty pretty easy, actually. I mean, I just I booked a studio in downtown. I told all my friends to pull up, bring their own clothes. That was the whole point of it. I wanted people to be comfortable in their own wardrobe, you know and and because that's them, that's their their authentic. Uh, uh, self and I wanted to highlight that and show that you know you can make a statement without saying a word. You know you can make a statement with just a pair of sneakers. You know what I mean, or, or yeah. a shirt, right, or, or an accessory on your wrist, or a necklace. You know, or some earrings. Honestly, so I I wanted to you know look at it like that. And so we shot we shot all my friends. We we I then took it to a printer, got it printed. The first issue. Came out spring of 2019, and it is like, you know, it, looking back at it now, it's 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 like, you know, it's not what the second issue is, but it's definitely it was it was a really cool start. It's 45 pages, and um, after that, you know, I, I then enjoyed my summer and was transitioning into you know going to college in New York City. I never really thought I'd make a second issue until I got to New York, and when I got to New York, that's when I realized whoa, I mean, there are just way too many creative people here to not have a second issue, to, you know, to acknowledge their work. And, yeah. And um, especially at Tisch, you know, Tisch, is Tisch School of the Arts, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I had to, I knew I wanted to create a platform for those people. Um, and that's kind of where Black Swan 2 came to be. Um, and, you know, we started that, I started that right in September, and um they kind of grew into this brand that everyone knows of now you know and especially in new york and so it's kind of interesting my first issue was was created in la and then i took the second issue to new york um and the second issue is 160 pages wow um beautiful colors you know beautiful artists um the fashion section is still Um, a part of the magazine. I wanted to pay homage to the first one. Um, And so, yeah, Black Swan Magazine has now become, it started as a little high school project and now it's become this brand that people, you know, really seem to enjoy, which I really love. I mean, the whole point of the magazine is to, you know, um, acknowledge and highlight some of the beautiful creativity and artistry of our future, Uh, you know, with my generation, right, young people. So I I, I really, I mean, and there's photography, there's fashion, there's poetry, there's film, there's culinary arts. I mean, there are a lot of different things. If you open up a Black Song magazine, there are a number of different um, artistic mediums that I present. And so, yeah, I'm really, you know, um, I'm so grateful for all the people I've met along the way. Um, I couldn't make this by myself, of course. Um, I, I'm kind of just the, the the captain on the ship, I guess. But, you know, there are a lot of other people that, that keep the ship moving. And so, you know, I'm really grateful for those people. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to get into the third issue, which should come out hopefully um, spring of 2021. I think it's going to be in every spring type of thing. But um, the third issue should definitely, I, I think it's going to be mainly around my new film called "Baby" um, within, with the addition of a few other artists um, that I really love right now. Um, but, but yeah, that's Black Swan Magazine for you.
0: Awesome! That's, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. I um, what do you use to design the magazine? Do you lo- do you use like InDesign or?
1: Yes, I do. I okay. do. I use InDesign. Self-taught. Never knew how to use it before. I mean, in fact, I. I mean, when I tell you, I never. I mean, I always knew I wanted to be a filmmaker, um, but I never really thought I'd, I'd venture into the print media industry um, with my own magazine. I mean, I was never—if you told me that five years ago—I'd be like, "That's crazy." So, I—I I had to learn everything pretty quick. I mean, I would uh, in New York. I would buy. I would go to this one magazine shop in um, in the uh, West Village, uh, and I would like—I would get magazines from cult classic and w magazine id magazine playboy i mean uh, kaleidoscope i would just go all over the place i would study these magazines um i would really look at like the graphic design the detail you know why is this an attractive page why isn't this an an attractive page and um so this was all very very new to me and so when it came down to me collecting all the art and then editing it, I was like, I don't know, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. So, you know, I know in the first issue I used InDesign, but it was really easy, less complicated. Forty-five pages, all pictures, really. So now I had to incorporate text and artwork and photography, and so there are all these other elements, and um, I had to just you know relearn InDesign. Um, but you know, to be honest, it's a very uh, simple and, and intuitive software in my opinion um there are a lot of things I obviously do not know about InDesign but um I kind of fake it till I make it <laughs> so yeah, yeah I, I really I love InDesign it's probably what I'm going to use to edit the next one and the ones to come after that so yeah InDesign is dope
0: yeah nice I, yeah InDesign's is a great program I take I took a um a typography class when I was in uh when I went to a community college and yeah, uh, they, yeah. had, they had us use InDesign and I was like, oh, look at, I was like, look at all this stuff that I've never known about before. <laughs> right. But, right. Um, I know. Yeah. So, you mentioned that you, uh you're going to NYU Tisch. So, but you're from right, yeah. California. So, sort oh, of yeah. expl- explain to to me that the journey in sort of getting there, making the decision to go to a school in New York for film.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's funny. I I think from a very young, young age, I really wanted to go to NYU Tisch. Like, it was just something I really wanted to do. Um, my mother actually went there back in the 90s for grad school. Um, she was a student of Spike Lee's. Hmm. And so I, I really, you know, I admire my mother a lot. She's, she's definitely an artist I look up to. And I think I kind of just wanted to follow her footsteps Um, because I shared that same passion of visual storytelling and filmmaking. Um, And so, you know, like growing up in L.A. L.A.'s great, you know, you can't beat the weather, super chill. But I knew I wanted that fast-paced, energetic, you know, um, um, creative energy that really you could only find, in my opinion, in New York, in New York City, especially as a young artist that is like the place to be, that that's where some of the greatest artists, you know, kind of get their start and and find themselves, you know what I mean? Um, You know, whether you're a visual artist like Basquiat or you're a Broadway star like Lin-Manuel Miranda, like it it doesn't really, you know, all art mediums kind of meet in New York City Hmm. and specifically in the village where NYU is, right? In Greenwich Village, East Village, West Village, like right there, Soho. You know you have a lot of fashion designers come out of there and and filmmakers and even musicians so i i knew i always gravitated towards new york city um it was such a fun place for me and i never i mean when i'm in new york and i'm in l.a right now but every time i'm in new york like i'm never not working on on a a project or a creative kind of endeavor with with a friend of mine or a group of friends of mine like it's just we're constantly on that grind, and it's fun, and it's therapeutic, and it's, you know, refreshing. Um, and so, you know, in New York City, like, you can't, I, I, I mean, it's one of my favorite cities in the world. You know what I mean? Uh, and so, from you know, like I said, as a kid, I knew I wanted to be there, and I'm glad I, I got to get there and, and do what I do. It's unfortunate, of course, I had to come back early, um, because yeah, people, I feel I, I
0: feel you it, on that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, I I really do cherish the times um, when I was there, and I'm looking forward to going back in the spring and and picking up right where I left off. You know what I mean? And and just kind of continuing that path, um, and and you know, continuing to make great art with great artists.
0: That's that's really awesome. So, in terms of your passion of filmmaking, um, mm-hmm. if you could sort of walk me through sort of, I like, I like hearing how people like their origin story, so to speak, in terms of how they right, got right. into stuff. Um, yeah, if you could just tell us a little bit about how you got into film, um, and then sort of like what was influencing you as you were sort of developing, uh, yeah,
1: the speaking
0: of the language of film, which is something that obviously a lot of us do now. Yes. So,
1: Yes, and that language of film is, is like my second language at this point, and I love it. Um, so I guess I, I would say I started, I mean, again, I was, I was exposed at a very early age. You know, I was kind of put in this position where I would be on set with my parents, but my parents are filmmakers, and so I it was all foreign to me at the time, but it began to um, become very normal for me, you know, just to be on set and hear someone yell action and you know, that's where the magic starts and so I was always around it, but it wasn't really until probably 5th grade when I was like, I really want to, I like I want to do this for a living, like I knew in 5th grade I wanted to do this and I made my first movie in 5th grade, uh, it was awful you know, but hmm. it, was, it was something that like, at the time I was like, wow I, I, this is so cool, this is so fascinating and so I always have to credit Star Wars and, and the prequels specifically. I grew up on the prequels. Uh, I know a lot of us, like, you know, people my age, we grew up on the prequels, and yep. so they hold a very special place in my heart. I love I'm a huge Star Wars fan, always was, always will be. And so I think watching those movies, as awful as they might seem to be now, <laughs> at the time they were, it was it was so amazing to me. And I was like people do this, I mean, people are making movies that's so, like, people make movies like this and so, I think it started with that, to be completely honest, I, I can't you know, I can't overlook that um, but as I got older, I, I started to study cinema and watch more movies and really, like get a sense of different types of storytelling, you know what I mean um, you know, I, I love, I love Wong Kar-wai, like I said before
0: yeah.
1: uh, or like you said before, I mean, he, he's a huge inspiration for me um, Alejandro G. I. R. I. Too, another huge inspiration for me. I think like watching movies where that move me are like the most impactful. Like I think if a, if, you, if I can watch a movie and I like by the end I am like whoa, blown away, yeah, and not just blown away but but emotionally moved. Um, then I think the filmmaker did their job right. And don't get me wrong, I do I do have like my guilty pleasures. I you know I love comedy, I love horror. You know, I love these different types of genres, but for me, I I kind of found out quickly that I want to tell stories that move others, and I want to tell stories that authentically um, and accurately depict a person who looks like me. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, growing up, like even in Star Wars, man, and this is kind of where I really started to figure out: okay, I am black, I'm a filmmaker, I have no excuse to not be a black filmmaker, right, to put those two together because, you know, I from a young age, I, I watched these movies and um, casts were very homogenous. You know, characters were all white. There was maybe the one black character, the token character, right? Um, we refer to that as the the magical Negro, you know, or the black best friend, which is, you know, a character, a black character who's kind of a sidekick and who's really just this one-dimensional you know, plot, plot device in order to advance the agenda for the uh, typically um, straight white male main character, you know what I mean? So I never really saw myself on screen in a way that was powerful, you know what I mean? So even in Star Wars, I mean, I love Star Wars, but I only had Mace Windu to look at, and don't get me wrong, he was really great, he was really cool, but like, that was it, you know what I mean? It's like mason Do lando i mean you can count all the black people in star wars on one hand you know what i'm saying so i knew i had to do something about that you know i knew i wanted to make movies with people like me um so of course i started to study more black cinema but before i even got into black cinema i started with the, the like dw griffith and birth of a nation which if you know anything about that movie, that movie is essentially KKK propaganda. Yeah. But you know, it, it's you have to kinda of look at it because I mean the use of blackface and the use of black people in that movie in a very degrading and and offensive way is is like that's I mean, that's where cinema kinda of started. D W Griffith is lauded as this, you know, revolutionary, innovative filmmaker However, you know, if you look at his content, it's extremely racist, and um, you know that movie was screened in the White House. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I had to I had to look at it from a bigger, and I had a bigger picture, and and you know, kind of break down the kind of systemic racism in cinema because it exists and it still exists. That's why we still see black sidekicks or you know black characters who are not necessarily you know fleshed out, right? And so I wanted to change that. So then I started looking at you know the works of John Singleton, Boys in the Hood, one of another one of my favorite movies, um, you know Spike Lee, Do the Right Thing, um, you know Barry Jenkins and Moonlight, you know Jordan Peele, Get Out. I mean Charles Burnett, Killer of Sheep. All these black filmmakers um, who are making black or who are telling rather telling black stories. They're not necessarily black movies, um, but they are stories. And the characters happen to be black, right? So Mm -hmm. that's something I I love to look at. And while Boys in the Hood and Do the Right Thing, those are very political movies, you know, and and those are very important too. I love those. Um, But I realized, you know, the movies that I want to tell, the the stories that I want to tell, I don't want them to be like all in your face political. I'm more of like the subliminal kind of guy. I like the symbolic, you know, um, um, approach to it. And so, for me, I just want to make movies, and the characters happen to be black. And specifically, you know, coming-of-age stories are kind of my main interests, black coming-of-age stories. I mean, you know, I. when you think of coming-of-age stories, you might think of Days of Confused, you know, or Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or Clerks, or whatever, whatever you want to, you know, there are a lot of them out there. Lady Bird, you know, Call Me By Your Name. You know, don't get me wrong. Great movies. Um, however, what did they all have in common? All white casts, right? All white stories. And for me, I could never really relate to them in the same way that my white peers and my white friends could. So I was like, you know what? I got I want to do something about that. And so, um, I, right now, like the path I'm on, I think I really want to create and tell beautiful. Black coming-of-age stories with depth and range and emotion and comedy and romance and, and, you know, all of the above, right? Yeah. Um, And at the end of the day, it's a coming-of-age story and the characters happen to be black. So that's kind of the stigma I want to break, which is like, I'm not necessarily telling a black movie, a black story, but I'm telling a story. You know, these are people. It's just a story and they happen to look like me. It's you know? more like that's, just that's normalizing. Right, me. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't I don't want to be all up in your face about it. Like, hey, look at that They're black, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, like, look at them for who they are. And of course, they're black. You know what I mean? So th- those are the stories I really gravitate towards. And I want to start telling even more. Um, of course, I I mean, I've 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 known a lot of different black filmmakers and so I, have I, I kind of like, I have a lot of different inspirations, uh, and so all of those inspirations have kind of like meshed into this one kind of, um, idea for me, which is like, yeah, I want to tell, I want to tell black stories. I have to tell black stories because if I don't, no one else will. And there are very few out there at the moment, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, of course I'm going to continue to tell, uh, black stories, um, and, and show people on screen that look like me and my family and my black friends because we don't have enough.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I feel that. I guess uh, what you're saying in thinking about all the, the directors who are on the, who are on your list for your favorite directors, I get that all kind of a more complete picture is being painted now <laughs> of, with yeah. all of that considering uh, what you've just said. Um, with some of those filmmakers, I mean, Chunking Express says your favorite movie. Um, I actually just watched Chunking Express for the first time very recently. Like oh, great. a month, a month and a half ago, maybe I got a, yeah, yeah, yeah. a free trial to the, to the Criterion channel, uh, to check it out. Oh. And I saw it on there and I was like, man, I was like, let me, I was like, I need to try a car Kar movie cause I've never seen one. And at the time, I was really into um, Moonlight uh, for some reason. Sometimes I just have, like, waves yes. where I just go back and I revisit that movie. Um, and I was like, let me watch Trunking exactly. Express. And I'd watch, like, his short film, My Josephine and stuff like that. But that movie was, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely insane. I was, like, blown away by uh, by what Wong Kar Wai was able to achieve with all those different stories and, like, the style that exactly. it had. And so like, it's one of those moments where like, when you start watching a lot of movies, you get to a point, you get to points where cinema stops feeling new. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Cause you're like, I've seen this style. I've seen this style. And every time you go watch those directors, like, you know what you're, you know what to expect. And exactly. a lot of the lesser directors, lesser talented directors, like there might be cool things in them, but there's nothing, but there's, but the vision isn't so, completely unique and exactly having yeah. never seen a Wong Kar Y film when I saw that it gave me that that feeling like oh cinema's still new there's still things to discover right um right and i and that movie's just amazing I love that movie I love I love its use of music specifically and uh some of some of the editing that they that they had there I was like wow I was like this dude is like yeah. on another level um Way ahead of its time. Yeah, way ahead of its time. Yeah, he's trying to save Hong Kong cinema right now. Apparently, he signed some like thirty-something million dollar deal to sort of like revive the Hong right Kong cinema scene. So it'll be interesting to it's see so what comes out of that. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's it's. I mean, I love I love foreign cinema. Um, it, it, almost as much as I love the cinema that comes out of this country, of course. But you know, it's like they tell such beautiful stories in a way that's like so. You know uh, relative to their own lifestyle their own culture Um, I love it I mean Italian cinema like you know life is beautiful it's one of my favorite movies as well Um, you know and and of course anything Miyazaki makes you know out of Japan just beautiful stories you know what I mean yeah and so yeah I love and Wong Kar Wai I also have to say like this three you know Del Toro Alfonso Cuaron and Alejandro Iñárritu I mean those three Mexican directors for me are also very influential in my work Um, I always I always say this I say Del Toro Del Toro blows me away Chiron brings me in and and Iñárritu moves me you know what I mean and and that never you know that always it always is the case with their movies I mean really Um, they make such they tell such beautiful stories um, and interesting stories. And um, they're always different. You know, I mean, Babel is probably one of my favorite movies from Miyari too. But then, you know, he, he can make Birdman and Revenant, right? Yeah. And those are very different movies. And I, I appreciate his range of storytelling, but every single one of those movies still moves me. And Chiron, right? I mean, Children of Men yeah. and Gravity and Roma. You watch these movies, they blow you. I mean, they, they, they're insane. You know, yeah. they And I, I say they, they bring me in, and they really do. I mean, Gravity is like, I mean, insane, visually insane movie. Children of Men, shot by Emmanuel Lubezki, one of my favorite cinematographers of all time. I mean, insane visuals. Um, and, of course, Roma is just a, a, a masterpiece, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it should have won Best Picture over Green Book, uh, but I, I don't want to talk about the politics of that. But, you know, and then, of course, Del Toro tells these you know, very eccentric and beyond imaginative imaginative stories, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, those three, I, I have to shout out those three guys. They have taught me that, like, storytelling can be very, very different. Your, your form of storytelling can be very different, but all still the same in terms of emotion. You know what I mean? So, yeah, shout out those guys. I love those guys.
0: Yeah, they're awesome. I'm, I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a really big fan of, uh, two and Coron. Um, yes, I yes. recently, I recently just picked up the Roma criterion because I was, um, I was just out and I was like, I have to have this movie. Um, mostly because oh, yeah. I, I haven't seen it since I saw it when it debuted on Netflix. So, right. I right. need it. I definitely need like a, a rewatch for it. Um, but yeah, Children of Men is probably, is, it, that's like my favorite movie of Coron's. I, I can't every time uh-huh. I watch that movie I just can't get over it. I just can't get over how oh, yeah. epic that is and even how prophetic it is, right? Exactly. If you think about a lot exactly, of yeah. what, what's been happening today and in the last couple years, um what Coron is able to like do and and like when you think about when that movie came out, like that was like a that movie came out I believe during the Bush years, right? And people yeah. thought like that was bad. But like nobody was prepared right, right, for right. what was going to be the disasters coming the next few years. And like the boiling points that we were going to have specifically in places like Europe because of the Syrian civil war with like the, the migrant crisis that they're having over there right now. And yeah. Yeah. sort of watching that movie, I'm like, wow, he he really like I mean, it's an adaptation of the book, but it's so like it was like. They, what they said about that movie is like we wanted to make a movie about the future, but we wanted it to be a minute in the future, and then a minute into the future, yeah. they basically come to we've we've been nearly at that boiling point. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I I really really love them, and uh, I recently just watched The Revenant and Birdman, uh, like in the, within the last like two weeks because I was showing somebody those movies for the first time, and oh
1: yeah,
0: of course, I. There's something about Alejandro with like, <laughs> with his whole like visual poetry, like because he's he's not scared to delve into like the surrealness of film, oh, right? Yes. And like ta- yeah. yeah, and like Quaron takes a more like dreamy approach to real life, and then Alejandro's right. like, I if Alejandro's like, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna throw in like a bird flying out of a woman's chest and like a right. big. It's, mountain of like ox skulls and <laughs> and cool things crazy. like that
1: it's crazy but it and it and, never and feels out of place the magical realism but, yeah exactly but it, but when in the tube does it it's it's very yeah surreal right um, yeah which i love about him yeah
0: yeah it's it's really really awesome what those guys are able to achieve i'm glad i'm glad somebody on this podcast is bringing up those directors because uh, of course uh especially I can't Car- not bring them up. Yeah, especially Corona and Yuritu. I'm like so I, I'm I love those I love those guys so much. And you mentioned uh Terrence Malik being one of your influences.
1: Yep. You know he, yeah. And he uh, he is a genius in my opinion. Um you know, I I they both I mean Terrence Malik, Kiron and, and Yari too, they all share the same cinematographer, Emmanuel Lubezki, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, we can't, we can't talk about them and not talk about him, he really, he brought Revenant to life, Birdman to life, Children of Men to life, Gravity, all those movies, Tree of Life, you know what I mean, by Terrence Malick, all of these movies, you know, he was behind that camera, and so he, when he works, when Emmanuel Lubezki works with these directors, like Terrence Malick, I mean, too. They, I mean, I, I so appreciate their collabor- collaborative kind of approach to storytelling. It's so poetic. It's so crisp and, um, you know, I, for Terrence Malick, I mean, he, he's one of the very few like white directors that I can really, I think, relate to um, because the stories he tells are just so delicately, you know, kind of laid out for the audience. And that's kind of how I would like to make my movies. You know what I mean? It's very, like, in the moment. It's like, boom, you're right there. You're you're sitting right next to right, Brad Pitt's character or whatever. Um, or, you know, A Hidden Life is a movie that he just finished directing. It came out last year. Um, it's so beautiful. It's three hours of pure, just cinematic beauty and artistry at its finest, in my opinion. And Emmanuel Lubezki didn't shoot this one, but his camera operator on all his other movies, actually was the DP for this new Terrence Malick movie. And so it had that same style, you know what I mean, that brings you in. It just pulls you right into that moment, right into that that life that we're, that we're observing. And so, yeah, I have to applaud, you know, Terrence Malick. He is a huge visual inspiration, I would say, um, for me, in the way that he just tells his stories. Because not a lot of filmmakers do it like, he does it, you know what I mean? He he is so creative and innovative and, um, you know, thoughtful, you know what I mean? He's thoughtful, and he doesn't, like, I mean, it took him three years to even edit A Hidden Life. So he takes his time with, with his projects, and for that, like, I got to give it to him. He is, he is truly a perfectionist um, and, and, you know, a masterful artist at that
0: yeah. yeah, Terrence Malick's really awesome. I remember the first Terrence Malick movie I saw was Tree of Life. And I remember just mm-hmm. being like... It was at a time where I was really first discovering a lot of movies for the first time. Like, right. this is when I was finally broadening my cinematic language because I, I yeah. made the conscious decision to actually, like, want to be a filmmaker. And mm-hmm. I remember seeing Tree of Life and just being, like, mind-blown. I mean I just rewatched it the other day, um, because I got the uh, the criterion for it, which has the like three hour extended version of Tree of Life. Right. Which is really fascinating. Um But yeah, man, he he I like the second I started with him I started just collecting like all his movies. Like I basically have I've got most of them. I don't have uh to the wonder song to song or night of cups but i really didn't like song to song or night mm-hmm. of cups really those movies weren't for me mm-hmm. um, i need the uh, the new world that's that's the one movie i'm missing that, that yeah. i really need that movie that that movie looked incredible and i'm a really big history person so that's that's a movie i need to i need to get so oh yeah i guess question for you is when you were sort of deciding to uh become a filmmaker, what were like what were like the big what were like the main guys when you were younger, that you were still like that that when you were finding them out, you were just like, "Oh yes, these are these are the guys, these are the people that inspire me."
1: Right. you know that's a great question I think. It, I mean, it, just, it always changes for me.
0: But mm-hmm.
1: I think, like, when I was young, young, uh, and I first wanted to do this, like, it was it was my mother, Christine Swanson. You know, it, it wasn't it wasn't any like guy. Honestly, it was my mom, and I think she, I mean, she, she's worked in the industry for such a long time, and so, um, and she's told such different types of stories but they are all black stories. And so, like, watching her, like, she is what kept me motivated, you know? And listen, I loved, I loved Donald Glover, you know, and what he did with Atlanta. Um, I used to I used to go through my Wes Anderson phase like every filmmaker does, you know? Um, <laughs> but, like, I, I think I really, you know, it was my mom who kind of um, challenged me to become the filmmaker I am and, you know, aspire to become. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, I have to start there. Of course, I really do have to start there. Um, moving on through my life, uh, I mean, there just there are so so many filmmakers. You know what I mean? Like I, I like that I that I truly do admire. Um, I mean Barry Jenkins. I think when I filmed Moonlight, I, I I realized you know this is these stories can exist, right? These black stories can exist. But not just any kind of black story, but stories with depth and complexity and, you know, these, these nuanced kind of, um, thematic elements. Like for me, I, I in fact, I, I, I even bought the Moonlight A24 book, the Bible thing that they, they sell like. Oh, the screenplay book things, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's beautiful. You know, um, a lot of, a lot of movies in the 2000s, I would say, because I was I was born in 2000. I grew up with the movies of the 2000s. So, again, Babel from Inyardi too. I have to shout out. Um, you know, I think I'm not I'm not like the biggest Tarantino fan, but some of his movies like were really inspiring. I was like, wow, this is this is really interesting. Um, I would have to say, like, you know, the works of Stanley Kubrick. While I'm not like I didn't really get into this stuff until a little bit later, but Barry Lyndon was a movie I saw that I was completely blown away by.
0: That was um, awesome.
1: You know, I, I, it's like uh, again, so so many so many filmmakers, and and I never really wanted to make like action movies, but or or kind of those very big blockbuster kind of thriller action type movies. Christopher Nolan. I have to give credit to him. I have to give credit to Paul Thomas Anderson.
0: Uh, um, speaking my know, language now. And exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and,
1: and certainly, certainly Spike Jones. When I when I watched that uh, movie, Her uh, with Joaquin Phoenix, which is probably one of my favorite movies as well. It's definitely up there. Yeah. Um, you know, Spike Jones comes from this music video background, um, and you know. I, I loved his approach to, like, movie making. In fact, uh, even before Her, when he made uh, Where the Wild Things Are, like, I, I like, saw that on my, like, you know, whatever year it came out, I, I forget, but I saw that on my birthday with a bunch of my friends, like, and I was, as weird as a, as a, of a movie that was, like, it did something for me. And, um, you know, and the movie Her, it's such a, it's just such a very different type of movie and, it captured me immediately i was completely taken away um by its its storytelling uh book visually it's beautiful yeah you know it's 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 like the future of la um it's such a i mean this the, the premise of the story itself is just so bizarre but like i it was so believable you know what i mean yeah, um, yeah. and i really did touch me in a way that I was I was actually kind of surprised, and so I, I do I watch that movie a lot, you know, just to, to look back at that um, because it's certainly a movie that is I don't know, it's just kind of mind-blowing um, I also, I love the work of Melina Matsukas um, she recently directed Queen and Slim um, but she also comes from a music video background um, you know, she's also partly responsible for the cinematic masterpiece, in my opinion, called Lemonade, you know, by Beyoncé. So, oh, okay. I, I, I I, do look like, you know, I do watch a lot of music videos now that I'm thinking of it, you know, whether it's from Dev Hines, Blood Orange, Solange, you know, A$AP Rocky, um, you know, even, even Kanye West. These are music videos that I look to and I'm like, wow, they did it differently, you know. Um, so... Yeah, yeah, man, I mean, that it's a hard question, but uh, <laughs> Spike Lee, again, you know, a lot of his early work, very influential, um, and he's also a professor at my school, so that's really cool, just kind of seeing him in the hallways. Um, Scorsese, oh, Scorsese, I, I don't even know how I forgot about Martin Scorsese. He, for me, is, I know, like definitely one of my mother's favorite directors, and I think by extension, he became one of my favorite directors. Um especially like, I think my first Scorsese movie I watched was Hugo. Cause I was a kid. It was kind of a uh, kid's movie. Yeah. I read the book at the time. And that for me was like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how old I was, but I was, I was young and I was like, wow, this is, this is really something else. Like this is a movie. Um, and the colors and the cinematography and the, the acting, all of it just combined was like, you know, proof to me that I can do something like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah and that's that's
0: pretty awesome so I guess getting to uh, Baby your film Baby yeah Um, I would love for you to provide us some background on the movie yes what sort of inspired yes. it what uh, what it's about what your whole you know purpose and method is behind it just like Everything you can, man. Yeah. I'm I'm very interested in other filmmakers talking about their films.
1: Yeah, of course. So I mean, wow. Where do I begin? This the baby process started when I was four years old, and I know that sounds crazy, but I'm going <laughs> to explain right now. So <laughs> I, when I was a young kid, my mom would always read me this book called "Please, Baby, Please." It's a children's, you know, picture book, and it was written by Spike Lee and his wife, um, Tanya Lewis Lee. Um, I was so, I mean, those visuals when I was a kid just stuck with me. And so fast forward, right, now to, you know, 2020. Okay. um, I started writing a, uh, it was for an assignment originally, I started writing this uh, screenplay for an adapt, uh, uh, what was it, like an adapted screenplay assignment, right? I had to take a book and turn it into a short uh, screenplay. So I, I was running out of ideas and I was like, you know what, what was that book my mom used to read me? So I, I, I like looked up the book, I reminded myself of some of the imagery and listen, the book is like completely different than what the movie is now. But for the assignment, I decided to just kind of make it into a movie, um, you know, throw some conflict in there and, and maybe flesh out the characters a bit more because there's barely anything to work with in the book. It's really just a picture book. Yeah. Um, but I did my best. And so I turned it in, you know, got an A, whatever. Didn't think much of it. Um, and then, you know, later down the road, we we were assigned, like, our, sh- our screenplay screenplay, like, our final screenplay. And we had to start working on that very early so we could turn it in by, you know, the end of the semester. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to write a movie about this kid who goes to Italy to become a chef and his host family, you know, is up to something that he doesn't know about. And I wrote it and I didn't really like it. (laughs) So, you know, I asked my professor, you know what, could I change my idea? Could I go, could I grow the, the please at the time it's called please, baby, please, you know, in a reference to Spike Lee's book. I was like, can I just grow that story? And he was like, yes, of course, go for it. So I took the book um, and I immediately just kind of scrapped it. I restarted. I was like, you know, what? I don't want to. I don't want to like make Spike Lee's book into a movie. I just wanted to make my own movie.
0: Yeah.
1: So I took the same kind of visual elements, but then I created my own story. So in the children's book, well, I guess I'll talk about the movie first. So the movie is about a young single black father um, as he kind of navigates love and loss and um, parenthood. After his girlfriend mysteriously abandons him and their four-year-old daughter, right? Okay. So none of that was in the Spike Lee book. I completely changed it, and um, but the visual imagery is still there. So now moving forward, you know, I I knew this was a story I wanted to tell. I always knew, even before I started writing this, I always knew I wanted to write a story that has a black father-daughter relationship. Um, I have a sister. Uh, and you know, her relationship with my dad is just something that is, is, you know, amazing. And I, I always wanted to portray that on screen. And so that's kind of where the idea started, the Spike Lee book and my, my immediate family. Um, and then it kind of turned into this story of like breaking down black masculinity, um, black vulnerability, you know, things that we rarely see on screen, right. Uh, from black people. Um, I wanted to really humanize these characters. Even the mother, the mother leaves, you know, uh, mysteriously, but she is by no means the villain of the story. In fact, she's going through her own stuff, um, which, you know, the audience will begin to learn as the movie goes on. Um, And so I had to give her agency and, um, you know, her her kind of, her deal is like she is really trying, she's suffering from, um, you know, mental illness, which is uh, another topic I wanted to highlight, especially mental illness in the Black community. Yeah, so that's something all, that just, doesn't
0: really yeah. get talked
1: about a lot in right in the African American right. community. Right, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, my 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 approach always is, you know, what I want to like. What haven't I seen yet? What What isn't out there? Um, yeah, I can't name any other Black movies with that Black father daughter relationship, with the exception of of the Southern Wild, which is one of our inspirations for this movie. Mm. Um, and I'm sure there's some out there, but the fact that I really can't name any is problematic for me. you know what I mean? So yeah. that's why I decided to tell this story of a black single father, a black, loving, compassionate, affectionate single father, um, and his, his daughter. Um, so that's kind of what the movie's about. And so once I' finished writing it and you know keep in mind, I am still rewriting it, you know, writing is rewriting so um we started pre-production in March um I have a great production team um my I, you know my producers my production design team my costume design costume department um, my my DP you know i I, I have um, a sound team I mean I really quickly got I assembled the crew very quickly and um, you know from there it was like like let's do it and I know we, we knew, we knew very well that there's a pandemic going on, but because there's a pandemic going on, we're all just at home. Mm-hmm. So we can still do the work that's necessary, right? The pre-production work, you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, we started doing that. Um, I, I, so I guess, you know, you know, Ronnie Gomez, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ronnie. Oh boy.
1: Yeah. 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 So, you know, Ronnie, I, he was introduced to me, um, uh, by my dear friend, Mary Antonovich. Mary um, was one
0: of my uh, producers. Girl.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. So, you know, Mary. I mean, yeah, you know, I Mary, Mary and I we go back. I, it's like the sixth, seventh grade. You know, so Dang. she brought on Ronnie um, and a couple other people. My other producer, producer Justin Aaron Serkin, um, uh, who is a, f- a phenomenal filmmaker himself. Uh, he actually shot my movie Black Don't Crack, um, mm. and so you know we work very well together. He's my producer. He brought on another you know great team. Um, my D.P. Jonah Mazur great guy. I mean, really, I have a great, great team. Sarah Jean Williams, my, my first AD, she's at Tish with me. Um, so, you know, I, I have this very creative group of individuals, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. and I like to surround myself with those people who challenge me in the same way that I can challenge them. You know what I mean? I'm giving them a lot of responsibilities, you know, as department heads, but at the same time, they're challenging me to be the best, you know, director I can. Um, and so it's been a very fun process. Three months in the making. Um, as of last week, we actually uh, just cast our, um, our main principal characters, um, Elijah Rashad Reed. Um, you know, you might have seen him in This Is Us and um, um, Snowfall. He will be playing the father, oh, wow. uh, the character of Mike. Um, we, we just cast and I, Leonard, um, who is uh, the cutest thing ever. Um, she... You might have seen her in modern family she will be playing the daughter and um, we are introducing a new actress her name is ariana simone clay um, she's a model uh, but you know i she had the look and I, I decided to reach out to her and in the auditions and the callbacks she really blew us away and um, she earned that role um and so i'm very excited to work with her this will be her screen acting debut um, we're still casting there's a grandmother in the movie who plays who plays the, um, the mother's mom, the Jay, the character of Jay. Um, so the grandmother's name is Jackie. We're still casting that, so we're still kind of working on some stuff. Um, but that's kind of the production side of it. Um, visually speaking, you know, I, I really am a huge... I mean, I love... Obviously, clearly, I love cinema. Um, and I know... I've studied how, like... How things... Like, the cinematic language is so important to me. So I knew that this movie is very slice of life. Mm-hmm. I wanted to bring the people right there in front of these characters um, and feel their pain, feel their hurt. And so, you know, I was like, how can we do this? So I, I, I already knew I wanted to shoot with an Arri Alexa Mini LF, which is um, the same camera they shot the movie Joker with or 1917. Um, and a lot of different movies. They shoot a lot of movies with this camera. So I wanted that camera, right? Mm -hmm. But I want to go even further. I was like, you know, lenses, right? Okay, what kind of lenses can I use? What aspect ratio can I use? You know what I mean? Um, And so I looked back at some of the movies that moved me the most, and all of them had this one thing in common. And that one thing is that they were all shot anamorphically, right? And what that means is an anamorphic lens essentially stretches – the image yeah um, and so you know uh, uh, an example if you've seen the movie waves directed by Trey Edward Schultz yeah you know um, the first half of that movie of Tyler's story is all shot anamorphically Be- and and you can tell it feels intense you know it feels like you know it, it, it's very on edge it's like what's gonna happen it's a tight tight frame you know and it creates tension automatically and so as a filmmaker, I have to look at this stuff and be like, okay, well, this works for me this doesn't. Um, and so I decided, you know what, we're going to shoot this anamorphically. I want to bring the people in. I want that tension to, to, to build right before your eyes. Um, so we have the camera, we have the beautiful lenses. Um, you know, the main visual inspirations for this movie are, are, are you know, Moonlight, If Bill Street Could Talk, you know, both Barry Jenkins movies. Um, Waves, um, definitely a big inspiration. Beasts of the Southern Wild, um, Bicycle Thieves, actually, you know, Bicycle Thieves. I pay a lot of, um, I always love to pay homage to a lot of great cinematic works in my own movies. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people will catch it, some people won't. It's kind of just for me. But um, the ending of my movie does actually reference the ending of Bicycle Thieves, um, which is a, a very, you know, slice of life type of movie Uh, the neo-italian realism for me is like a huge inspiration as well Um, I wanted people to look at these people, the characters as like it's very real life right, it's very in the moment Um, and we just happen to be a fly on the wall really Um, so those are kind of the visual inspirations for the movie Um, it's going to be, you know, I already know it's going to be beautiful I have a great DP um, and a great visual team as well you know, color-wise, texture-wise, um, you know, with the camera and the lenses, I mean, I really want to capture a movie that moves people, you know what I mean? So yeah. I, we have a very, I mean, it's an expensive process, but it's definitely going to be a rewarding and, um, um, uh, a rewarding experience as well, because, you know, people are just, People are going to watch this movie, and, and it could it could be played at, like, you know, the CineDome Synod- at, at Arclight Hollywood, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's a huge screen, but it would work because of the, the way I'm shooting it, you know, with the 2.35 to 1 aspect ratio, um, you know, that, like, kind of, uh, uh, like, 2001 A Space Odyssey, you know what I mean? Yeah. Same vibe, same frame. So I really wanted to capture that. Um, and so with that being said I mean I knew the movie was always going to be important to me and, and I knew there was there has to be a very specific way I wanted to make it um, but this whole project it's not just the movie so we have an album in the works as well uh, okay. composed by my my uh, good friend um, his, he, he goes by Magic Candy you can find him on Spotify and Apple Music and um, you know, his type of music is very, very—I would say—like poppy, ethereal, um, almost kind of like out of body. Like I owe every time I listen to his music, it's—it's it's like this astral projection almost, and I love that. I love how it kind of—it's an experience in it in and of itself, right? So I decided to ask him to create the score for the movie, uh, which is going to be really interesting. I think his style of music. And this style of storytelling combined will be a very interesting juxtaposition. Um, I think it's an exciting one. Um, I think it'll really it'll it'll bring people in even more to these characters. So I'm really excited about that. He's also going to be creating original music for the movie that will be available on Apple and Spotify and you know wherever you get your music. Um, so that's something to look out for. Uh, and in addition to the album, the movie, there's going to be the magazine Um, and so I knew I couldn't like I have to continue Black Swan Magazine and I knew I wanted to do it with this movie you know Um, in the same way that A24 has their kind of their screenplay books with Moonlight I want to do something similar um, to kind of like document this entire crazy process yeah um, and just show kind of like my notes the script notes the you know, some of the, what the producers were up to, the costume design sketches, you know, everything in between. Like, I want to just throw it all in there to show people. Um, so that's a very exciting component that we're also looking forward to putting out alongside the movie and, of course, the album. Um, so, yeah, there's I mean, there are a lot of moving parts. But again, I have a great team. I'm, I really am confident that we're going to pull this off. Um, it's, it's, it's an exciting time. Um, and, you know, if you would like to donate to the, to the project, I mean, we are crowdfunding at the moment. Um, there's still time left to, to donate to the project. We will also be donating a portion of our contributions to the Feeding America organization. And, um, you know, what they do is they, they provide meals for those suffering from food insecurity, especially during this very unprecedented and unusual time i mean of you know this whole COVID 19 thing has has hit people pretty hard so um you know we want to look out for those families because those families are very similar to the family in the movie you know what i mean um so if you'd like to donate please visit um www.thebabyfilm.com and you will find something that says click me to donate and you just click that link and um you can give any amount, really any amount, um, um, we will really be grateful for, um, and appreciate, uh, because anything helps. And, uh, to tell this story, you know, we really want to tell this story. So, yeah.
0: That's awesome, man. Rock on. So, wow. So that's very interesting. I'm, I'm, you've piqued my interest in, <laughs> in this film now. Now, now I'm, Now I really want to see it. So what is your, I mean, I don't even know if you've gotten as far as making like production schedules yet, but how, how long do you think Um, the shoot would be?
1: Right. So, you know, I'm working with my AD, Sarah Jean Williams, who is kind of creating and composing this shooting schedule. Um, We really only need four days to shoot it. Okay. You know, there are a lot of different sequences and scenes, but very limited locations. Okay. so, you know, we need four days to shoot it. Um, we have, you know, our original tentative shooting dates are this August. However, you know, I'm, I'm me and my production team, were kind of on the verge of pushing those dates just for the health and safety of our cast and crew members. Um, you know, LA right now is not necessarily getting any better. So we just, we're, we're monitoring that very closely. Um yeah but we are fully prepared to shoot i mean we've we've done all the work we've done so much work and we're still doing the work, whether it's you know the costume department finding clothing and and alter- like making alterations and you know the production design team just going out grabbing a bunch of stuff um you know or my visuals team i mean creating that equipment list i mean we really have everything down um, and of course, like Mary and Justin, my producers they've been on it with like permits and Contracts and paperwork and, you know, LLCs, just all, everything in between. I mean, movie making is definitely not an easy thing. Um, you, you know, you need this whole crew, so we've been doing all the work, um, and I'm excited, starting next week, I'm going to start working with the actors um, and, you know, kind of work through these characters, the scene work, the character arcs. I mean, these are really important things that have to be done, um, in rehearsals, so that once we once we show up and we're ready to shoot, it's like second nature. It comes very natural. Yeah. Um, so you know, I'm not too worried about moving my shoot dates, but we're certainly going to shoot it before the end of this crazy, crazy year.
0: Um, and are you thinking? So I'm, I'm really excited for that. Are you thinking like an early next year release, or a late this year release? Yeah.
1: So. That, that's a great question you know I, I, I wish I could tell you the answer I mean they're just editing post-production itself is just going to be a very interesting process yeah. um, with my sound design team and the, my editor and of course the composer um, so there are a lot of just components that we have to work out I would hope to get this movie out before the end of this year and then probably a bigger release early next year um so that we can kind of get into some of these festivals um but you know what it's we'll just play it by ear you know we'll play it by ear um I'm not trying to rush it I never want to rush the process same with Terrence Malick you know he he spent three years editing a three-hour movie right so I mean Mm. you do the math right like every hour of that movie he spent 12 months working on um that is dedication right there and that is you know to rush the process is to miss out on certain things that I wouldn't have seen before. Yeah. Um, I mean, of course I'm probably going to put together my director's cut, but then I'm going to hand that off to an editor who has no idea about the story. Right. I need that objective point of view to look at it um, and make decisions as well. So, you know, I I really am am very careful about that process. Mm. Um, And so while I would love for it to come out, you know, hopefully before Christmas, you know, that could change and that's totally cool. Um, you know, I think we need more time anyway to uh produce and publish the magazine. Um, and of course, the score and the album will also take time, so I don't want to rush my composer and my musicians. And I don't want to rush my um, I mean, we have a whole nother team for the Black Swan team. Uh, I don't want to rush them with the magazine, so you know, yeah, it, it'll all, all in all in um, good time, you know, but hopefully by the end of this year for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah, that makes sense. Um, Wow. It's very it's very interesting hearing about this whole process. Um yeah. what's going and this film is just something that you're doing on your own. This isn't is this associated with NYU right. at all? Does this have anything to do with No, it's Not just at all. you
1: you know, it it's it's yeah, I really want to establish myself as a director, both visually and also just in terms of how I direct actors and so you know, I had to school at this point is kind of like a side hustle, I guess. Um, while I, feel I love school, you. I love, you know, learning. I love learning, especially when it's about filmmaking and filmmakers and cinema. I mean, it's just, you know, it's a dream. Um, but while I'm not in school, I am a committed artist. You know what I mean? I have yeah. to, I work on my own art and, and collaborate with others. So I decided, yeah, you know, while I wrote it originally for an assignment, I decided to take it outside of the school setting and make it myself. Um, and so, you know this is certainly a movie that will be one for the books. I mean, making this in a pandemic, making this outside of NYU is like, you know, especially like in my age, is kind of unheard of. Um, I have very few friends who who do something like this on this scale, you know, outside of NYU. So, you know, I, I, I knew what I was getting myself into, but I also knew that it would get done. You know, I was very confident in that. So, yeah, it's not for school or anything. It's kind of a passion project, but I definitely think... For me, it, it could be the the a good step, um, so that later down the road, you know, I have one short film under my belt, and I can really be open to other options um, in terms of directing or writing, whether it's another short film or or getting to that feature film point in my life. Um, you know, I just I'll have that experience. I think the younger you get it in, the easier it will come. You know, later down the road. And that goes for not only me but my entire crew my entire crew is anywhere from ages eight, 7 18 I think 18 probably the youngest to 20 21 so these are young people same with the Backstall magazine these are young people who who did this and pulled this off no adults no professors no you know deans or head of, head of the film department's kind of signing papers like we're doing this all our, on our own we're raising the money all on our own so you know it's, it was really important to me that we did this at, at an early stage in all of our lives. Um, because again, it, it will be a rewarding experience even if no one watches this movie, you know, I won't yeah. even mind because it's, for me, it's like the, the beauty of telling these stories and, and creating these stories with very creative people. Um, I'm, I've already learned so much in the past three months and I probably will, you know, in the next two years in film school because it, everything, we're doing it. This is real life. We're making movies. Um, it, everything is kind of thrown at you. I mean, we've had to deal with a number of different things from city permits to SAG, you know, the Screen Actors Guild coming at us to, you know, all types of things. Yeah. But now I'm, I feel like I can do anything, you know? we our whole, our, I know my whole production team feels like that. I mean, really, we've, we've had our ups and downs with this project, but we're still fighting. Um, we're still planning on shooting this thing. Um, and I'm glad that the story still resonates with people and motivates all of us to continue to tell this story because we all know it's a story that needs to be told, especially right now. You know, I think a lot more people are interested in black stories, and um, this is just a story that's so unique and different that, you know, I would I would love for people to see this on a national and international level. You know, I, I would love for this to... to be a continuum in different festivals around the world um, i really I really do think it has that potential um, so that 's another reason why I just want to take my time with it get it right yeah um, i know I know it's time will come for this movie um, people will see it um, and it could be end of this year it could be next year it could be in ten years but i I do know that it will it will definitely when people watch this movie it will definitely move him in a way that I don't think they've ever been moved before because it's just a story that
0: has never been told before. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Those are kind of my goals with the film. Yeah. Awesome. Lightening it up a little bit since you go to NYU, you spend a lot of time in New York. You have any yeah. great, funny stories, anything, oh, any interesting I mean, story you could tell the audience? about being uh, in New York, going to NYU?
1: Let's see. I mean, New York is a crazy, crazy... I mean, I uh, i don't even know where to begin. Um, yeah,
0: this is true. This
1: so is many different... Crazy. So many different... I mean, what's really beautiful about that city is that a lot of artists are just there. I mean, you know, I... Like, ASAP Rocky was down the street from where I, I stayed at. I mean, you know, um, I, 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 I'd be in line getting dumplings you know, in the Tisch building and Spike Lee's just getting dumplings right there next to me. I mean, it's really cool to just have all these artists right there. Um, I remember like bumping into like Megan Fox once in Washington Square Park. I mean, really, the uh, artists are everywhere, you know, and um, they're so, I mean, they're really kind and, and open to, you know, conversing with younger artists. Um, That's something I really love. And I love going to just random art shows or small concerts or, you know, museums and meeting up with artists, um, you know, and just kind of talking and uh, talking about what we want to do next. Um, I mean, I've... God, I mean, there... Yeah, I have so many stories. I'm trying to think, like, what a good one to tell would be. Uh, But, you know, one thing I do know is that in New York City, you know, I've just had the pleasure of meeting so many creative people and um, whether they're musicians or photographers or graphic designers or fashion designers, I mean, really, it's it's such a joy to see everyone doing their thing, right? Yeah. Um, and, like, that keeps me motivated. It keeps me driven to do what I'm doing, you know what I mean? And um, I know those people feel the same way about me. It's, like, really a very – it's a beautiful atmosphere that we can all just – kind of do our thing and, and, and thrive. And, you know, I have, I have friends who I met very early in September. Um, you know, a friend of mine, Ashley Pena, she's a photographer. I met her in September. I I, I modeled for her for something. And, you know, now she's, she's in the New Yorker. She's in the New York times. She's in Vogue. And it's crazy to see people's journeys. Yeah. Um, and kind of like, all in the span of not even a full year, right? Like, it's not even September again yet. Like, you know, it's only July. So, you know, it's cool to see how people, where people have um, started and where they end up and where they will continue to go. Um, And I feel like we only see that up right there up front in New York City, right? It happens right there in front of your eyes. Um, And so I'm, I'm so happy to be going to school there I'm excited to go back um you know I know there's a lot of things I left New York with a lot of projects unfinished um so I'm excited to pick those back up um, and you know like I said I think it's, it's it's such a creative place I love the city I love NYU it's a great school great art school um and I mean yeah it, I love the food I mean everything about it is great um so, you know, I definitely—it's
0: definitely a place I'm looking forward to going back to. Awesome, man. So, we'll end this off. I'm gonna ask you two questions. I ask everybody—I yeah, yeah. ask everybody one of these questions, but I'm gonna ask you both of these questions because you're cool. more—you're more equipped for one of these questions. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. First question: What's your favorite movie of all time?
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> it's just oh uh, God, that is like picking a favorite child almost. You know, I, I just I always have favorite movies in the moment. I think like when yeah. I wrote that my bio thing, it was Chunking Express. It usually always is Chunking Express. However, you know, my favorite movie of all time, and this might shock people, but I think it's it's gotta be Rear Window by Alfred Hitchcock. Wow. Um I know, wow, right? Like, it's uh, <laughs> it's not even a Hitchcock movie that a lot of people love, love, but for me, like, it was, you know, I, I, I've i actually, I think it's the movie... You know what? I'm actually going to take that back because now I'm thinking... I, okay, I've seen Rear Window probably about 11 to 15 times. Like, I've seen it a lot of times. Jeez, wow. But I'm realizing, I think I've seen Sunset Boulevard more times. Ah, okay. Billy Wilder. Yeah. Sunset Boulevard.
0: I'm ready. You Mr. Know, Demille, I'm ready for Gloria more closer.
1: Swanson. Right, Gloria <laughs> Swanson. I don't know if it's because we share the same last name, but that movie is like Billy Wilder is one of the, I think, besides probably Waldo Salt and Aaron Sorkin. Um, you know, he is definitely one of the greatest American screenwriters of all time. Yeah, um, I don't even know if he might not even be American. Uh, don't quote me on that, but he's definitely <laughs> one of the greatest cinematic. Writers of all time. Um, yeah. He, I mean, Double Indemnity, another great one, but Sunset Boulevard is always one that stands out to me. I, I've seen it so many times. I, I can I will always look back at it. Um, I love how they tell it. I love, you know, film noir. I love that style. Um, I love the concept of that movie because it's so true, especially for Gloria Swanson who was a silent film actress. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's, it's basically her movie as Norma Desmond and so, yeah that i think it's got to be sunset boulevard you know it's it's just one of those classics that for me i can i can watch on any given day and still enjoy it and still be shocked and still be surprised and still be brought in you know it's just such a it's such a great film yeah sunset boulevard for sure
0: nice nice yeah that's that's crazy movie i remember watching that movie when i was like in the uh I need to see the old movies so I can like say that I'm like educated in film. Right, right. Of course, and yeah. I remember just like when we got to the ending of that movie, just being like, "That was the craziest crap I've ever seen in my entire life." I right, was like, right. "This movie went like absolutely nowhere. I thought it was gonna go." I was like, "That movie was crazy." I'm like this yeah. is a, this is a movie yeah. about mentally ill people who can't reconcile the fact that there has been. <laughs>
1: yeah. It um, takes twists and turns in that movie for sure
0: yeah honestly uh, but but it's such a great movie you're right um, second question I ask people mm-hmm. this because 2019 was a uncharacteristically good year for film uh, like crazy yeah, good year definitely. for movies so my question is what is your favorite movie from 2019
1: from 2019 wow Okay, let me let me think about this because, there you're right. <laughs> there are a lot of yeah. really great movies.
0: When you think about it, you're like, wow, that, that was actually there was actually a lot of good stuff coming out. All
1: right. Hmm. I'm gonna give you a few answers if that's alright.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I cannot pick one. I, <laughs> oh God, I cannot pick one. Yeah. Yeah. No. I'm gonna give you a handful. I'm gonna give you a handful of movies that really stood out to me last year. Right. Um. I would have to say One Queen and Slim Directed by Melina Matsukas Great movie It was It didn't get Get enough love As I think it deserved Um okay. I would have to say Um The Farewell Lulu Wang Ah um, Great great, movie. great Beautiful movie Um I really enjoyed that one Uh Oh god Like oh, I mean Paris I gotta give it to Parasite Bong Joon-ho One of Another one of my favorite directors Um really I'm Actually I'm a quarter Korean Um Oh for real So you know I, I love Korean cinema, and Bong Joon Ho just never really—he never misses. He never misses. Um, I'd also have to say, ah, this is so difficult. Wow, really <laughs> difficult question. I think I was a huge fan of—I of, um, loved Knives Out, I loved Midsommar, I loved like those type of thriller movies. Yeah, um, they were exciting to me. I'd also have to say I'm Cut Gems. You know, oh, I yeah. love um, I love the Safi Brothers but i mean i know i'm just giving a whole list of movies now and then i I just have to say a hidden life you know okay yeah yeah um just such a such a masterpiece but i'm gonna leave i'm just gonna stop there because i could i could literally go on and on
0: yeah Um, i know it was great i remember when i was every year i sort of create a top 10 list of what my favorite movies are because i'm a sadist and i feel like hurting myself every year um and I remember, and, like, my list changed between uh, January into, like, March. <laughs> it, like, right, like right. top three slots changed, like, every other day because it was, like, yeah. my top three movies were, like, The Irishman, um, yeah, of course. Uh, Uncut Gems, and I want to say Joker, but I feel like it was something else. I feel like Joker was, like, number four, but there was something else. And it yeah. was it was the Irishman like up through the Oscars. I was like, "That's the best movie that's come out this year. That's my favorite movie this year." I'm like, "The movie's amazing." Oh, 1917, I think was like in the third slot, and oh. and then uh, um. yeah, and then I saw Uncut Gems, and then I was like, "Man, it's Uncut Gems. That's my favorite movie of the year." And then it was like that for a while, and then um, I mm-hmm. I bought Joker. I'd already seen Joker, obviously. I'd seen it back in October when it came out. And then I bought yeah, it yeah, again yeah. because I wanted to show my girlfriend the movie. And we watched mm-hmm. it. And I was just like, it hit way different that time. And I was like, dang, that was a really, really good movie. Wow. And I couldn't believe it. And then, but, but, the, but like, the, Uncle Gems was still my favorite movie. And then when I came back to Massachusetts, I watched Joker with Uh my dad because I wanted him to see the movie because I figured he'd get a kick out of it. He likes violent movies. I was like, I was like, he'll like Joker, and watched it. And I was like, and then all the and for some reason everything changed. And when you get to like the final act with the riot and everything like that, yeah, I was just like, and it gets all like it goes like full eat the rich. And I was like. I was like, this is. This, I was like, this We're is. My, for that, yeah, yeah. I was like, this is my favorite movie. I was like, this is the use of music. Yeah. I mean, I was a fan of Todd Phillips prior to Joker. Um, I feel like his movie, his movie War Dogs, that came out in 2016. I feel like that
1: that. Oh right, jo- Jonah. Jonah jo- Hill.
0: Yeah, Jonah Hill and uh, Miles Teller. I feel like that movie yes, was. Yes. That I movie did not that, get yeah. the the love that that I think it should have. I think that movie was awesome. War is a very big uh, right. like thing for me, um politically, so I was glad to sort of see like a mainstream movie that sort of was like talking about the things that I usually talk about. But besides that, the performances in that movie are great and I think that I think that movie's really funny yeah. and it's written well. So I was a fan of him prior to that. Exactly. So when Joker came out I was like ah oh. I was like this I was like he peaked. I was like this is it. Like we thought the hangover was right. the peak for Todd Phillips. I'm like no. Joker's the peak for Todd Phillips. So yeah, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, that movie, and that movie just rocks,
1: for sure. But I yeah. agree. And um, wow, I mean, yeah, 20, you know, not the more I think about it, twenty nineteen was. Pretty, I mean, Last Black Man, which was oh model,
0: so good, rabbit, so know, just,
1: good. I can go, Honey Boy, right?
0: Um, honey Boy, awesome. Farewell, so awesome. Movie. Yeah, but last, I, yeah, wow. Yeah. I'm
1: definitely gonna start rewatching a lot of the, the movies we just named, just because they are so. There, I mean, it, it, when the moment they are inspiring
0: yeah i saw um, so, I saw an amazon ad yeah. for i saw an Amazon ad on YouTube for last Black man in San Francisco and it was the whole scene where they're skateboarding through San Francisco in the beginning oh, and yeah. that like the, the score for that movie is like next level and uh i watched i watched i sat there i watched the, i didn't even watch my video I watched the whole ad because I love that scene so much and I was like right, right. dang am I about to rewatch this entire movie now <laughs>
1: No, for, for real, for real. That's, yeah. You're right. That score is great. That yeah. score is great. That movie's just awesome.
0: But yeah. Thank you, uh, Cole Swanson, for being on this podcast. I no, really, thank really, you. Really, really appreciate you, it. Yeah. I love I love having uh, filmmakers on. I've had I've had a couple on. You're uh, you're definitely I believe the most accomplished of the ones that I've had on in wow. terms of just like furthering your career. Um, thank you and i'm Thanks. really excited for your movie man i'm hoping i hope everything goes well uh you know as a, as a filmmaker myself i really really yeah do you know we got to encourage each other and help lift each other up uh everybody go donate to that, his huh? movie
1: yeah all the all the listeners
0: out it. there go listen www.thebabyfilm.com right
1: exactly
0: yeah got it go Go, go follow it on Instagram. Go follow Cole Swanson on in, Where can they find you on Instagram?
1: Yeah, Cole Swanson underscore. That's oh. it, C-O-L-E-S-W-A-N-S-O-N and underscore. And in fact, you know, I completely forgot about this, but I will be restocking Black Swan Magazine issue number two this Friday. Um, so stay tuned. You can find this shop on my Instagram page. Um, if you're interested in, in seeing kind of the work we've been doing in New York, um, it's it's definitely a, a, a nice kind of coffee table piece. Um, so, yeah, definitely, definitely look into that if you're interested and keep an eye out for the movie because it's coming. It's coming soon.
0: Is there anywhere else people can connect with you, talk with you, go view your work?
1: Yeah. Oh, OK. So if you want to see some of my movies, Vimeo.com slash Cole Swanson very easy um, if you want to check out some of the merchandise and you know even the first I'm still selling the first issue and the second issue um, restock Friday com very easy um, and of course if you want to learn more about the movie you know just go to babyfilm.com. and yeah
0: awesome thanks man and uh, great no thank you again for I having me wish you the best thank you everybody for listening to another episode of Truth Justice on the podcast uh we're you know it's nice it's nice to always have cool new people on i try to do that basically every episode and this is definitely one of my favorite episodes so far that i've done in terms of interviewing people so yeah thank you guys for listening and we'll see you guys next time peace